Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at His Hard Line. Let's go! Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. the show. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. Wherever you're at in the world, I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the host with the most. They are in charge. They are in the captain's chair and at the helm and behind that wheel. Therefore, they are steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to His Hard Line. Today is Monday, June 12th, 2023, and you are listening to episode 559. And we will be going over the 28 principles of liberty, and then we'll be doing a reading out of James chapter 4. There's only five chapters in James. Uh, so today will be James chapter four, but uh, today will be one, the first part of two parts for this show. So today we're going to go over the first 14 principles of liberty. And then tomorrow we'll go over the, uh, the last 14, the last set. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> so I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody had a good weekend. Um, I tell you what, it's of a, a, a crazy, crazy week. It's been a crazy summer to say the least. Um, I, I told you this, this is why I wanted to forewarn you guys as we get into the summer months, as I get a little bit more active with the assembly and I get, you know, doing more projects and obviously, you know, family time and vacations and stuff like that. You know, I'm trying to stick with a solid schedule over here, but it is a little challenging. But, uh, like I said, we'll, we, we will work around it. It won't be that bad. I promise you. It just seems like it right now. Um, I'm reading the chat. I'm kind of feeling for Donnie right now because uh, I was looking at Rietta and what she was saying. She says, because I said, I'm like, I hope you two are doing well. And she says, well, we're doing great. I said, well, maybe Donnie isn't. He's learning to take better care of his body, eating salad and cold tuna. And I said, well, don't feel bad, Donnie. I said, uh, because and I, I said my lower back is in pain due to some serious inflammation. And it is self-inflicted. I'm going to share why that's self-inflicted. Um, but yeah, she was saying right here, though, he isn't heavy at all, but feeling the sugar intake. Well, I will say this. I'm not very heavy either. But yeah, I, I did a bad thing, guys. I went to Crumble Cookie and I 
uh, I ate a lot of crumble cookies. It was bad. And if you know what crumble cookie is, you know how big those stupid things are. They're like little miniature cakes. And they happen to have two of my favorite flavors. They had chocolate lava, and then they had lemonade uh, sugar cookies. So I don't know if I even want to give you the real number of what I ate in a week time span of that fl- of those two flavors being out because it's very embarrassing. Oh, what the hell? I really have no shame, but I do feel pain. I must have ate six. Seven of the chocolate lava ones, maybe six, about six, and then like five of the of the lemonade sugar ones. Oh yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why <laughs> I knew Rietta would be like, "What?" I know that's why I think I had my migraine like thirty six to forty eight hours. It was inflammation. I'm I guarantee it because I never get this kind of pain unless I eat like complete garbage. And I let me tell you what, buddies, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow buddies out there in the chat world, I I have no shame, but I have a lot of pain and I'm dreading it. My headache, my my migraine is finally gone. Hallelujah! Popping in and out yesterday too. Like it went away the, the the day before, but then it was popping in and out. It was going in waves. It was bothering me. But my lower back hurts. You should see me hobbling around the yard trying to pick up my hose so I can spray my lawn like an old man. <clears throat> it's pretty pathetic, actually. My wife was laughing at me, but, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, but yeah, um, I need to do better and not eat garbage. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. I would do it all over again if I see those flavors again. I'm just saying. Those were really good. Love crumble cookie. Get it if you get a chance. But don't do I did and eat a dozen in a week. <clears throat> it's not good for you. So, Donnie, I feel your pain, brother. The sugar is killing my lower lumbar area, and it's and sitting in the studio chair is excruciating right now. Like, I am, I am honestly on the verge of breaking into tears right now. You guys have no idea. I'm trying everything in me to keep it together. (laughs) So anyways, real quick, daily disclaimer. Remember, as I always state periodically on a podcast, I am not a doctor, but I sure wish I had one. I'm more like a chiropractor. Um, And I don't wear a white coat and I don't play one on TV. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a pastor, priest, deacon, or biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer, nor do I hold any title of nobility, and I do not give out legal advice. I am also not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies, and additionally, I do not advocate for violence. I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own, unless I reference other material. And if you hear any tears, don't be concerned. That's just me just trying to get through the show and trying to wall through the pain here. (laughs) Rietta says, so sorry, Jason. Don't be sorry for me. Uh, I knew it was going to happen. I knew full well the consequences of my actions. I knew. So, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like that, that kid that keeps, you know, poking at the, you know, the bull. And, uh, now I don't know if this is even a real thing, but I'm just making this up as I go. I can imagine, right. A, A kid just poking at a bull on the other side of a fence and every once in a while, a thing is going to kick at you and, and try to gorge you, right? I mean, you know it's going to happen, but yet the stupid kid keeps doing it. Well, that's like me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't realize it would be this bad. It's been, it has been terrible trying to get in my truck, uh, in and out of the truck, and, and sit for hours on end. It's been, it's been pretty bad. 
But uh, you know, would I do it again? Yeah, yeah. It, it crumble cookie was worth it. <laughs> so, all right. So we got a lot to cover here. Uh, oh, wait. Before we get into that, uh, let me read Donnie's comment. He says we have ice cream. We have a we have an ice cream place called Handles. Handels, probably Handels, and their ice cream is killer. I'm thinking in the last week, I probably ate at least five gallons of black cherry and pistachio in <laughs> in in a sugar cone. Oh man, I thought my twelve freaking cookies from Crumble Cookie was bad, dude. Five gallons of ice cream—that's a lot of ice cream, dude. So not only do you have the sugar, but now you got all that dairy in you. Oh man, oh man. But I tell you what, I bet you're not. Well, you probably might be regretting it, but I bet you you'd do it all over again. I bet you you would do it all over again. (laughs) Oh, man, that sucks. Oh, man, I tell you. Well, you know, the stupid decisions we make, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's it is what it is. Uh, You know, you want. okay. so, guys, you're going to laugh your butts off. So today's Monday. Crumble cookie typically closes on Sunday. Right. And they come out with new flavors on Monday. Well, my wife is out getting something at the store right now for Haven. And uh, it was funny. I told her yesterday. I'm like, don't ever tell me. Because I don't follow Crumble Cookie. I don't follow it on Facebook. I don't follow it anywhere. She's the one that told me, oh, they got flavors you like, babe. I'm like, yeah, what are they? Oh, chocolate lava and uh, your lemonade sugar cookies. I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah, we're going to definitely bust those out here. Well, I told her, I said, don't ever tell me again when good flavors come out. What does she do? She tells me yesterday, oh, for Father's Day, you should see the flavors are coming out with. They're they're, they're picking so many good flavors that fathers like. I'm like, oh, yeah? Like? (laughs) Oh, there's brownie batter. I'm like, oh, brownie batter. Mm." There's confetti cake. I was like, oh. Peanut butter cup. I'm like, oh, I'm like, nah, actually not feeling that one. And then she's like, and then there's rice crispy treat cookie. I'm like, eh. I'm like you lost me there. I said, but uh, I tell you what, that brownie batter sure sounds good. So she may or may not come home with one or two. Rietta says, we're going to keep you accountable, Jason. I don't know. Good luck. When I already put the order out to the wife, I don't know. I mean, I ain't, ain't going to happen to me. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I will eat a lot. I will drink a lot of water. I will take a lot of turmeric and I will drink a whole lot of apple cider vinegar. (laughs) All right. So we got a lot to cover. I I thought this would be a good topic to get into the 28 principles of Liberty. Like I said, this will be part one of two and no, I have not forgotten about operation vampire killer. We're going to touch on that here and there. I just didn't want to do it all in one big consecutive, like, you know, two straight weeks because I could get a little boring after a while. So we'll touch in and out of that uh, as we, you know, continue on. Um, But before I do this real quick, I do want to say this. I am doing good when it comes to eating dinner. Like today, I grilled, uh, we grilled, uh, I, I know this ain't a cooking show guys, but I'm just going to tell you anyway, since we're on a topic of food, I grilled zucchini, carrots, um, onion, and a red bell pepper. I have this like stainless steel, uh, kind of wok in a way that's got a bunch of holes in it. It's meant for the grill. Uh, so I don't have to put everything on yours. So I grilled a bunch of that. And then 
we did shrimp. So we did like a straight up Mediterranean meal, no rice, nothing, just shrimp on the grill. And, um, yeah. And then veggies. It was great. And we're like with a balsamic, you know, vinaigrette type of, you know, dress. it was good. It was good. So like when it comes to eating our meals, we're actually pretty good. But when, when crumble cookie does their devilish little things and they put out awesome flavors. Yeah. It's game over for me. Donnie was saying, Jason, you're right. I do it all over again. Once I get my sugar levels down, <laughs> Donnie, you're a man after my own heart, man. Me and you are like brothers from another mother in different generations, man. We are just, we are bad people when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, sweets, man. It's just bad. In fact, Destry, I don't know. Destry just popped in the house here. We were talking about crumble cookie. He was like, man, when I go down there, I want to stop there and try this place. Oh, that crumble cookie rocks. All right. So. <clears throat> So here's the thing, according to Noah Webster's uh, 1828 American Dictionary, liberty, because we're talking, we're going to be talking about the 28 principles of liberty. Liberty is defined as freedom from restraint. It's a, in a general sense and applicable to the body or uh, to the will or mind. It refers to the state of being free to act and to speak or think as one desires without interference or co coercion. Now, Webster also emphasizes that liberty is not absolute. It is not absolute license, but rather the freedom to exercise one's rights and pursue one's interest within the boundaries of just laws and moral principles. Now, in essence, liberty, as defined by Noah Webster, encompasses the idea of personal freedom within a framework of responsibility and respect for the rights and freedoms of others. Now, liberty holds great importance to us Americans, right? For several reasons. First and foremost, the United States of America, or these United States of America, I should call it, was founded on the principle of individual liberty and personal freedoms, right? Because the early settlers sought a society where they could exercise their rights and pursue their own goals and enjoy the fruits of their labor without undue interference from a governing authority. Additionally, liberty is closely tied to the American values of self-determination and limited government, right? Small, limited government. Now, the belief in limited government power is rooted in the understanding that individuals should have the freedom to make their own choices, express their own opinions, practice their faith, and engage in various pursuits without unnecessary government intrusion. I mean, I would love to see what that looks like. Uh, Destry is putting right here, liberty is defined as a, tempor as a temporary granted freedom from a ship. I've heard that as well. Now, furthermore, now liberty is seen as a fundamental aspect of human dignity. And Americans value the ability to live their lives without autonomy and to have control over their own destinies and to be free from oppression or unjust restrictions. Now, liberty also plays a very crucial role in fostering innovation and entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship and, and economic prosperity. And so by providing individuals with the freedom to take risks, create businesses and pursue their ambitions, it enables the growth of a dynamic and vibrant society. So lastly, you know, the legacy of America of the American Revolution 
and the sacrifices that were made to secure independence have been ingrained in a deep appreciation for liberty within the nation's collective consciousness. Now, the struggle, however, for liberty and the rights enshrined in the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights are considered integral to the American identity and are revered as cornerstones of the nation's principles, you know, the Republican, you know, the Republican form of principles, you know, the, the, um, the principles of a republic. That's what I want to say. So, in summary, liberty is highly cherished, freedom is highly cherished, right, by Americans due to its foundational role in the nation's history and its connection to individual freedoms, its promotion of human dignity, its facilitation of economic growth, and its representation of the American spirit of independence. Man, I got to tell you what, guys, I am just struggling to sit in this stupid chair with my back the way it is. <laughs> stupid, stupid back inflammation is terrible. Oh, damn you, crumble cookie. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like constantly like stretching my back. So now here's a question, though. Who and why would anyone want to destroy the liberty and freedoms that Americans have? Now, there could be a variety of reasons, in fact, many reasons, right, for why different people, nefarious individuals or groups might seek to undermine or destroy the freedom and liberties that we have. Now, some of these motivations might be because of authoritarianism. Uh, authoritarianism. I can't even say that word, my Lord. Because those who desire a centralized power and control may view liberty as a threat to their ability to manipulate and govern society according to their own interest. <clears throat> That's right. And by curtailing individual freedoms and consolidating power, they can exert greater control over the population. Hmm. Are we kind of seeing that today, ladies and gentlemen, with the freaking de facto swamp creatures? I think so. Another reason that this might happen is because of ideological extremism. Because there are some extremists out there that prioritize their own ideological agenda over individual liberties and freedom. And they may actually see certain freedoms, believe it or not, if you can believe this, as detrimental to their vision of society or incompatible with their beliefs, leading them to suppress or restrict those liberties. Now, another thing is, is that oppression and domination, that's another reason, because in situations where certain groups seek dominance or subjugation over others, they actually might seek to curtail liberty in order to maintain their own power and control. By limiting individual freedoms, they can suppress dissent, dissent and maintain a hierarchical, uh, a hierarchical, hierarch I can't even say that, blah, 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 blah a hierarchical structure, there we go, maybe, that benefits them. There's a lot of reasons why they would want to destroy freedom and liberty, right? And so it's important, though, to recognize that these motivations aren't, you know, they're, they're not justified or more acceptable, not, not to people like you and I, right? Because they represent actions that undermine the principles of liberty and the individual rights that many value and cherish. So these 28 principles of liberty that we're going to be going through 
today and tomorrow are highly relevant to our quest to restore self-governance. It's these 28 principles of liberty actually come from the book, The, uh, the 5,000 Year Leap, if I recall correctly. And so in a world where power often becomes centralized and individual freedoms are at risk, which they certainly are nowadays, these principles serve as guiding lights, right? They kind of like show us and remind us that the power lies with the people and that we possess that inherent right or inherent rights that cannot be taken away. See, these principles advocate for limited, transparent, and accountable government that respects the rights and liberties of its people. They certainly don't respect it now, but that's what it looks like. And they emphasize the importance of free markets and private property rights and individual autonomy and fostering economic prosperity, so on and so forth. And they also highlight the need for an informed and engaged people. Let's repeat that for a second. They also highlight the need for an informed and engaged people. Now, where did we hear that from not too long ago? I'm pretty sure we heard that from Oscar when he was going over the um, 2000-25 war manual or the man, you know, the field training manual that was released by the war department on Kirk's law corner, KLC. That's in that manual. The need for an informed and engaged people. If we're going to get back to self-governing ourselves and participating in this, you know, this, this, this process we call the Republic, you know, the Republican form of government, we need to be informed. We need to be educated. We need to be actively participating in the self-governing process in holding elected officials accountable. You need to get involved with your assembly. And if you want to know more about your assembly, it's www.national-assembly.net. And so by embracing these principles, we can work together to reclaim self-governance and ensuring that power is distributed and liberties are protected along with our freedoms and that the principles that have shaped our nation are honored. Now, let's get into the reading first of James chapter 4. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And this has only 17 chapters, so fairly short, or excuse me, 17 verses, not chapters, verses. You guys are probably like, Jason, what the heck kind of Bible are you reading from? Starting with verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, jealous, jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges, his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. 
But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil, and therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Yikes. And that is a reading of James chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. So, in this chapter, we are confronted with a very harsh reality of conflict, disputes that arise among us even today, right? Because this passage begins by asking where these wars and fights come from. And so it points to the desires for pleasures that wage war within ourselves internally. And then we often find ourselves consumed by selfish cravings and leading to envy and murder for some, not me, but some, and, and coveting what others have, right? And so the chapter emphasizes the importance of asking God for what we need, key word, not want, what we need, instead of restore, uh, resorting to worldly ways. See, it warns against asking with wrong motives and seeking to fulfill our own pleasures. And it also reminds us that friendship with the world is enmity with God, and we must choose to align ourselves with him rather than conforming to worldly standards. I know that's what I'd rather do. And so, you know, we're urged to humble ourselves before the Lord, knowing that he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, we're called to submit to God, to resist the devil, to draw near to our Father, the Creator, right? And this passage emphasizes the need for purity, both in our actions and through our thoughts. But it's hard to do that if you're always constantly watching crazy crap on Netflix or, you know, Hulu. See, James admonishes us not to speak evil of one another, for when we judge or, and slander our own brothers and sisters, we are basically essentially judging and slandering the law of God. And so that, you know, we're reminded that there's only one lawgiver who has the power to save or destroy. Therefore, it is not our place to judge others. So the chapter warns against boasting and arrogance, highlighting that such attitudes are evil, right? But instead, we need to acknowledge that uncertainty, the or I should say we need to acknowledge the uncertainty and the brevity of life, recognizing that our, our plans are subject to the will of the Lord. And so we ought to approach our aspirations with humility and acknowledge that it is ultimately God who determines our path. That's whenever I pray or I write in my gratitude journal and I pray while I write in my journal, I always say, God, 
I thank, so I, I go through and I say, thank you for this, that, and the other. Thank you for another day of life and good health. And even though I eat those dozen crumble cookies, uh, I'm still thankful I'm able to walk, but barely. So I do appreciate that. I'm sorry that I destroyed my body temple by eating all that sugar. I promise I won't do it again. But yeah, here I am going about to eat another couple more cookies when the wife comes home. But my point <laughs> to saying all that is, is I always say somewhere in my journal, I pray that my footsteps and my actions and everything that I do in my life align with your will and your plan. See, I've given up what I think is best in my life and what I thought I wanted to pursue. And I'm just trying to do my best to pursue what God wants me to pursue, right? To follow. I just hope that my footsteps are in sync with his plan. That's my biggest hope. I'm glad I can make Donnie laugh. <laughs> See, if I was Donnie, it would be you know, five gallons of ice cream stacked eight scoops high on a sugar cone <laughs> instead of cookies. And so finally, James concludes by emphasizing the importance of doing good, right? Because those who know what is right and fail to do it commit sin. And it serves as a reminder to actively pursue righteousness and live out our faith through the compassionate actions. And through this chapter, James encourages us to examine our hearts, align our desires with God's will, and live in humility, seeking his grace and guidance in all aspects of our life. In our lives, I should say. So, in today's world, where it seems like we are surrounded by so many conflicts and divisions and Selfish desires seem to be really prevalent among a lot of people, and the teachings from James chapter 4 can really certainly provide valuable lessons and guidance for individuals, households, families, right, and society as a whole. So first and foremost, by the way, babe, uh, my wife just joined us here in the chat. She's driving. I know she's not really actively reading the chat, but Rietta says, hello, or hi, Katie, with a little hi emoji, just FYI. Um, but anyway, but first and foremost, for foremost, like I said, it is crucial to recognize the destructive nature of selfish desires and the pursuit of personal pleasure at the expense of others. Because by cultivating self-awareness and examining our own motives, we can strive to align our desires with God's will and seek harmony rather than discord. Now, this starts within each individual and can be applied in households by promoting empathy and understanding and selflessness among family members. See, we don't really see families teach these kind of lessons anymore. Very, very few families out there teach this. This is why the government, the de facto big brother government, wants families destroyed because they know that when families are intact, none of these things get promoted or taught. And so in the context of a society and the reassembly of states, in, in like our case, right, for example, it's essential to emphasize the principles of humility, submission to God, and resisting evil. Because this means fostering an environment where people prioritize the common over personal interest, seeking unity and cooperation rather than engaging in divisive rhetoric or actions. Hmm, where have I seen that crap before? Divisive rhetoric or actions? Well, I tell you what, I see a lot of butt munches out there 
that like to engage in that, we'll, we'll just leave those people nameless. The Karens and Darrens of the world, we'll just say that. But drawing near to God and seeking his guidance is paramount in navigating the complexities of societal challenges, encouraging prayer and reflection and reliance on God's wisdom can bring about a sense of moral clarity and discernment that is much needed in today's society. Now, additionally, because this is pretty important, I feel like this is more important than ever for people to really uh, let this marinate in them. Because the teachings of James chapter 4 call for an end to judgment, an end to slander, an end to speaking evil of one another, right? And to apply this in society, we can promote a culture of respect and open dialogue and understanding and encouraging people to listen to different perspectives without immediately resorting to judgment or condemnation or jumping down somebody's throat. See, it's so important and essential to recognize our shared humanity and the values of diverse viewpoints, right? Because, you know, fostering in an atmosphere of mutual respect and constructive communication, I think is pretty important, especially as we try to move to a society where we all self-govern ourselves. See, we need to keep in mind that we're not always right, ladies and gentlemen. I know I always need to keep that in my mind. My wife is always constantly reminding me not everybody thinks like you. Remember that. And just because nobody, you know, just because I think in my own mind that what I think is correct doesn't mean it is absolutely 100% correct. So then there leaves that open-mindedness, right? And, 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 and again, being open to other viewpoints and showing mutual respect to other people. See, my wife is the one that keeps me level. You guys think it's, you know, I think it's, it's basically God and her against me. And I say against me. I, I say against me in a loving way. Because I always say she and God conspired against me. Because again, if you would have met me four, five, six years ago, guys, you guys would have been like, what? There is no way that is you. No, I, 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 okay, my wife says with, not against you. But against the old me. Right? That's what I'm saying. And so lastly, the call to do good and take action is a crucial aspect of applying these teachings. Because as individual people, men and women, right, here as a society, we always need to actively seek opportunities to serve and help those that are in need and always work towards justice and compassion. That's one thing my wife and I always try to do when we go out to eat. We sit down in a restaurant and the first thing I'm doing, because God's always pushing us to do this, we look around to see, okay, is there anybody here that God's tugging at our heart that we need to be, you know, be paying for their meal? Like Rietta was just saying, you are what the Bible says. You are his helpmate. That's right. Because this could involve volunteering, for example, right? Supporting charitable organizations, advocating for positive change and active aging in acts of kindness and empathy, wherever you go, look for the opportunities. So basically by incorporating these lessons that we read from James, if we incorporate these lessons into our own lives and in our own families and our own households and the assembly of people, 
who are reassembling their states. We can promote a very harmonious, compassionate, and virtuous society. But it begins with personal introspection. It extends to the relationships within our families, and it ripples out into the broader community, fostering a culture that reflects the teachings of humility, selflessness, and love. But see, when you have infiltrators and fusticators that come at us in the assembly to try to break up what we have, they're not coming at it to have personal introspection, right? They're coming in because they want to destroy what we have because they're seeking for their own, you know, they're seeking to have their own power and their own whatever, money, status, you name it. Again, they're trying to be friends of the world. What do we talk about in James? They're trying to be friends of the world. Therefore, if they're trying to be friends with the world, that means enmity against God, right? So let's look at these 28 principles. So we're going to be looking at the first 14. So the first one is the only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law. That's number one. First principle of liberty. Because natural law refers to a philosophy that suggests that there are fundamental principles or moral guidelines inherent in nature, which are universally valid and binding for all men and women. So these principles are believed to be discoverable through reason and can be applied to ethical, political, and legal matters. Now, natural law theory posits that certain ethical principles, such as justice, fairness, and respect for human rights, are inherent and unchangeable regardless of societal and cultural differences so basically it's been influenced you know it has been influential in shaping you know the legal systems and moral frameworks throughout history now number 2 the second principle is a free a free people cannot survive under a free people cannot survive under a Republican constitution, unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. What we were, what were we just talking about in James chapter four? Because virtuous individuals display traits such as honesty, integrity, courage, compassion, humility, fairness, and self-discipline. They strive to cultivate qualities and apply them consistently in their thoughts, actions, and interactions with others. Because virtuous people often prioritize the greater good over personal gain, showing empathy and concern for the well-being of others and country. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of individuals I don't see displaying that, the greater good for overall, you know, the, the nation and for the assembly. No, I see a lot of these people doing crap for their own personal gain. It's sickening. no moral behavior in these people. See, here's the thing, guys. Being virtuous and moral is an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process that requires self-reflection every day, self-discipline every day, and a commitment to personal growth every day. It involves making conscious choices to act in ways that promote a well-being of oneself and others. Oh, and might I add, contributing positively to society. 
Principle number three, the most promising method of securing a virtuous and morally stable people is to elect virtuous leaders. That's right. So, like in the assembly, for example, we need to have a better vetting process, for example. We need to be very on our game when it comes to vetting people because we can't just let anybody and everybody come in and be on the ballot and, and, and think that, oh, yeah, you come on in. You're good. You have a beating heart? Yeah, you're good. Come on in. No, we need morally stable and virtuous people if we're going to be electing virtuous leaders. Principle number four, without religion, the government of a free people cannot be maintained. That's principle number four. Principle number five, all things were created by God. Therefore, upon him, all mankind are equally dependent and to him, they are equally responsible. See, the concept of being equally responsible under the eyes of God suggests that all individuals, regardless of their social status and wealth or differentiating factors, are held to the same standard of accountability and moral responsibility in the sight of a divine being or higher power that we call God. Heavenly Father, right? Because this idea often stems from religious teachings that emphasize the inherent right, uh, the inherent dignity, I should say, and worth of every man and woman. It suggests that in the eyes of God, all people are equal in terms of their moral obligations and the consequences of their actions. Here's something for you. It basically implies that no one is exempt from ethical responsibility or granted special privileges based on worldly attributes. Eh. What, you think because you're a billionaire, none of this applies to you? You think because you hold some sort of title and nobility, none of this applies to you? Get out of here. So here's the thing. Being equally responsible under the eyes of God implies that every man and woman is accountable for their choices, behaviors, and treatment of others. Principle number six, all men are created equal. Well, we've heard that before, right? Because the phrase all men are created equal is a famous line for the United States Declaration of Independence, which was written by Thomas Jefferson in 1776 and expresses a foundational principle of equality that has had a profound impact on the development of human rights. See, when I hear all men are created equal, this statement asserts that all individuals, regardless, again, regardless of their social status, their race, their gender, or any other type of distinguishing characteristics that they possess, right? But regardless of all that, it, it possesses an inherent and equal word that... It possesses an inherent and equal worth and should be afforded certain unalienable rights because these rights include but are not limited to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the concept of all men being equal or all men are created equal, I should say, promote the idea that every man and woman deserves equal opportunities, fair treatment, and protection under the law. It challenges the notion of a hierarchical societal societies and unjust systems that grant privileges or discriminate based on factors beyond an individual's control. Principle number seven. The proper role of government is to protect equal rights, not provide equal things. 
That's right. To protect, not provide. Government's there to protect, not provide. They're there to protect the rights. Do we see that? No. Are we going to get there? Yes. Is it going to be overnight? No. But see, this is why your participation in the reassembly of states is very vital. Again, you want to know more? www.national-assembly.net. We have a conference call every Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And the information's on that website for the free conference call, www.national-assembly.net. Check it out. Don't be a stranger. Ask questions. Find out what's up. Find out what's going on in the background that you're not seeing in mainstream media. Hell, that you're not even hearing on these podcasts other than here or Patriots or Grit or Kirk's Law Corner. Those are the only three platforms you're going to hear anything about assemblies. Lawful assemblies, by the way. Because the principle that the proper role of government is to protect equal rights rather than provide equal things is rooted in the concept of individual liberty and limited government. See, you guys, I don't think many people really have a concept of what limited government really looks like. And I'll be honest with you, neither do I. But I can't wait to see what it's going to look like uh, in full-blown view when it gets out mainstream, right? When we finally get rid of the de facto and we get our de jure back. Because it emphasizes the idea that government's primary function is to ensure that all individuals have equal opportunities and protections under the law. Rather than intervening to enforce equality of outcomes or redistribute resources. See, that's a socialist model, ladies and gentlemen. We're not a socialist nation. We're not a communist nation. They've tried to make it a communist nation. And sure, we probably have systems in place and processes in place that are very communistic in nature, sure. But all that crap's going away. We just need to get our 38 plus states, which is three quarters of the 50 states, to get rid of all that nonsense. All the codes and statutes and nonsense like that. Principle number eight men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. We've all heard that, right? Because this phrase about men being endowed with certain unalienable rights is a key concept from the United States Declaration of Independence because it expresses the belief that certain rights are inherent to all men and women by virtue of their existence, and these rights cannot be taken away or denied by any external authority. Well, why is that, Jason? Well, it's because these rights are often referred to as natural rights, God-given rights. You know God, right? The one who gave us Jesus, right? The guy that might sound like this. They're natural rights. They're God-given rights. You can't give them away because they're from God. Again, Their natural rights, you can't give them away. They can't be taken by any external authority. Remember that. See, the Declaration of Independence specifically mentions three unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. However, the concept extends beyond those specific rights to encompass a broader understanding of fundamental rights, such as freedom of speech, religion, assembly, as well as the right to equality, due process, and protection from cruel and unusual punishment. Overall, 
The idea behind the phrase men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights is to emphasize that all people possess inherent rights that are fundamental, universal, and should be safeguarded by governments and respected by societies, period. Uh, Principle number nine. And yes, Destry was just saying right here, we also have the right to protect our rights at all costs. That is right. Hence, our Second Amendment, or Article 2, I should say, but the right to bear arms. Because when they try to go after the first right, right, the first article from the Bill of Rights, well, then Article Number 2, activate. Because when you start impending on, you know, impeding on my right to assembly, and to redress grievances, when you start impeding on that process, that is why we have article number two. Not that we want to go that route, but if you start killing our freedom of speech and our right to assembly, well, it's going to get ugly. Principle number nine, to to man's rights, God has revealed certain principles of divine law. To protect man's rights, God has revealed certain principles of divine law. Principle number 10, the God-given right to govern is vested in the sovereign authority of the whole people. What? Let's reread that again. The God-given right to govern is vested in the, in the sovereign authority of the whole people. So according to this view, political power is not granted solely to a specific individual or group, such as a monarch or a ruling elite, but rather to the collective body of the people as a whole, because it suggests that the source of, a leg, of legitimate governance is not derived from man-made institutions or legal systems alone, but has a higher divine origin. Again, the phrase God-given right implies that the authority to govern is seen as a sacred or inherent right granted by the higher power, which could depending on religious or philosophical beliefs, of course, but it, it basically, in a, in a nutshell, it signifies a belief in a natural order or a divine plan that establishes the, legit, the legitimacy of governance, okay? Principle number 11, the majority of people may alter or abolish a government which has become uh, tyrannical. Principle number 11, the majority of people may alter or abolish a government which has become tyrannical. Now, this statement reflects the idea that if a government becomes oppressive or tyrannical, in this case, the majority of people have the right to change or remove that government. It emphasizes the principle of popular sovereignty and the ability of the people to hold their government accountable. That's right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we are reassembling our states. Because this government, this de facto fraudulent the government, right? This, this, these swamp creatures have become oppressive and destructive in their abuses. They have become tyrannical. They have committed atrocities and many crimes against humanity and they need to be held accountable 
Principle number 12 out of the 14 we're reading today. The United States of America shall be a republic. Let's read that again. The United States of America shall be a republic. And this statement affirms that the United States was founded as a republic, not a democracy. Which means that the country's political power is vested in the people, the men and women who elect representatives to make decisions on their behalf. It emphasizes the importance of representative government and the idea that the people should have a voice in the political process. Principle number 13, a constitution should be structured to permanently protect the people from the human frailties of their rulers. That's why the constitution exists, ladies and gentlemen. Let's reread that one more time. Constitution should be structured to permanently protect the people from the human frailties of their rulers. The Constitution keeps our lower branches of government bound and shackled to make sure that they stay within their, basically make sure that they stay in their lane. Again, like Destry was saying right here, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, all states are guaranteed a Republican form of government. What does that look like? Join your local assembly and you'll figure it out. You'll see it in real time, ladies and gentlemen, in color. Not black and white. Principle number 14 for the day, and tomorrow we'll do the last 14 of the 28 principles of liberty. Life, liberty, and this is number 14, by the way. Life, liberty, life and liberty are secure only as long as the right of property is secure. Life and liberty are secure only so long as the right of property is secure. Is our property secure, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you this much. As long as I'm paying $4,200, $4,300 a year in property taxes, I'd say no. I don't, even if my property, even if my house was paid off, try not paying your taxes for a couple of years. Watch what happens. Yeah, you can have your house paid off, but it's not secured. See, this statement emphasizes the interdependence of life, liberty, and the right of property. It suggests that the protection of property rights is essential for maintaining individual freedoms and security. But see, we don't see that in our everyday life. See, again, I don't think a lot of people understand what a republic looks like or what small limited government looks like or how, what, what it looks like to be secure in our property. See, it reflects, this, this, this principle, it reflects the belief that the ability to own and control property is closely linked to personal liberty and prosperity. And so these first 14 principles that we went over encapsulate within the you know, 28 principles of liberty, and they hold immense significance for our society and align harmoniously with the timeless wisdom found in James chapter 4 that we read earlier. See, all this ties together. That's why I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is very, very important. I hope this resonates with you. I hope this marinates in your brain deeply. And I highly suggest you share this podcast with other people that need to hear this. People who are constantly complaining about what's going on with the world today and what's going on with our country. Well, have them listen to this. Ask them, do you think these 14 principles out of the 28, the, uh, uh, the principles of liberty, do you think we, we see any of this today? I mean, really, this is a thought-provoking question. Because at the heart of our discourse lies the concept of natural law, which is a philosophy rooted in the belief that fundamental moral guidelines exist within nature, universally valid for all men and women. 
And just as James, as we read earlier, expounds upon the virtues of wisdom and righteous living, we acknowledge that adherence to these unchanging principles is pivotal for the establishment of a just government and harmonious human relations and natural law discovered through reason, by the way, serves as our guiding light, shaping our ethical, political, and our lawful perspectives. And furthermore, we recognize that the strength of a free society rests upon the virtue and moral fortitude of its individuals. Now, James also reminded us of the significance of cultivating virtuous character traits such as honesty, integrity, compassion, and fairness. Because these virtues, folks, inherent in the 28 principles of liberty are essential for upholding justice and promoting the common good in a common law system. They guide our actions, allowing us to prioritize the welfare of others over personal gain and foster an environment conducive to the well-being of all. So within this framework, we emphasize the importance of selecting virtuous leaders, right, who embody the values and principles that we hold dear. Just as James emphasized discernment and wisdom and leadership, we also have to understand that the care and conduct of our chosen leaders significantly influence the moral fabric of our society. This is why we need to be very, very careful and choiceful with who we have as our leaders. Again, these principles remind us of our shared responsibility to protect and uphold our unalienable rights bestowed upon us by our Creator. These principles further emphasize the significance of a well-structured constitution designed to shield us, at least they should. It's not really doing a good job these days because, you know, the constitution was changed multiple times. I don't know if you knew that, but it should have shielded us from the frailties of our rulers. And they underscore that the security of life, liberty, life and liberty is ultimately or intimately tied to the protection of property rights, acknowledging the intrinsic link between personal freedom and the right to own and control property. So in reflecting upon these principles, guys, I think it helps us gain a little insight to the ideals that shape our society and our pursuit of justice and liberty, right? Because they provide us with a moral compass guiding our actions and reminding us of our shared responsibility to build a just and prosperous future for all. I have a song I'm going to play before we end it um, with the outro music. And then uh, I'm going to go take a shower and get a heating pad on my back. Cause I am killing right now. <laughs> it's terrible. So let's do the prayer. And again, if you have any prayers you want to add, you can put it right here in the chat and I will make sure I get to it and read it at the end here. So dear God, <clears throat> we humbly come before you. <sighs> we come before your presence and we acknowledge the ongoing spiritual battle that we seem to find ourselves in. We seek your guidance and protection, knowing that we cannot face the struggle alone. We are ordinary people, 
we're just ordinary men and women trying to do what we do best, right? And 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 sometimes it seems like we lack experience or expertise in matters of faith sometimes. Yet we we try to be we firmly believe in your power and the strength that you embody. We ask that you grant us courage to confront the challenges that arise and, and, and give us the wisdom to discern truth from falsehood and, and give us the resilience to remain steadfast in our convictions. And so in the face of temptation and deceit, we, we ask that you shield us from the influence of evil. And we ask that you surround us with your love and grace, providing a sanctuary from harm and, and, and we just ask that you just guide us through the darkness. We place all our trust in you, God. We seek your mercy. We seek your grace. And, you know, may your presence empower us to overcome any challenge of this uh, spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in. And Rietta adds to the prayer, Lord, we trust that your perfect will is for us and that you are for us, not against us. Please save those that need your gift of salvation. Lord, please heal Jason and Donnie and anyone else with needs, even though, and I'm just adding this part, this is not something from her, even though it's self-inflicted. Donnie and I know what we did, but she continues to say, Lord, you are our provider and we thank you for our life. Please use us for your glory and your holy son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Rietta, as much as I like to say thank you for praying for <laughs> my back pain to go away and your husband's uh, sugar inflammation or whatever he's dealing with to go away, again, we know what we did. We're not proud of it and we have no shame, but uh, we know what we did and oh, we'd do it again. <laughs> no shame. Ah, oh, Lord Almighty, I tell you, what are we going to do with us? What are we going to do with us, guys? We're, we're, we're kind of retarded sometimes. You know that, people? We really are. Guy, us dudes, we can be the dumbest creatures on earth because sometimes we just don't, we just don't think. Like, we know some of the ramifications of our actions, but yet somehow we're just gluttons for punishment and we end up going, walking off that cliff anyways. We're like, ah! it'll be fine. I'll get through it. It'll last a couple days. We'll be fine. And then come to find out it's like, Oh my God, I'm so incapacitated. I feel like a 98 year old man right now. I can barely tie my shoes. Oh crap. I'm not going to lie guys getting up and up and down chair. I'm literally, it takes me like 15 seconds. Cause I'm like pushing myself up and I have to stretch my back and I'm like making all these old man noises. I'm like, Oh, Oh, ooh, oh, ooh. I got my daughter on the other side of the room acting like I'm a, I'm a senior citizen. So she comes over and tries to help me up. Like she's walking me across the street. I'm like, I'm not a senior citizen. <laughs> my wife just laughs. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So the song I'm going to play today before we close it out, because it just came to me the other day and I, wanted to listen to it. I've remembered, I'm like, I have not heard this song in a long time. And this version is by Ray Charles, Charles, America, the beautiful. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a great day or night, wherever you're at in the world. And we will see you back here tomorrow for the reading of the other 14 principles of Liberty.
God bless, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Bye, Felicia. You are fake news. Go ahead. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. We are firm. We are steadfast. And we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time.
It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! We have losers. We have losers. Listen. Sure.